My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. Uh, this is a podcast where we admit films that we have not seen. Um, it's very easy to lie and say that, yes, I've seen something when someone asks you. Um, but we're, we're getting it out in the open. Um, and we're also doing a horror Halloween month. Um, and Charles, this month you chose uh, Event Horizon. The yes. Late 90s horror film. You want to walk us through Event Horizon? Okay, so uh, in this movie, uh, it's the future, and humans uh, develop a prototype for faster than light travel. Um, and the ship goes past Neptune to test out its engine and disappears. Uh, it reappears like seven years later, and uh, the events of the movie are um, a rescue ship sent out to investigate what happened on it. Uh, and they bring along the head scientist who developed the warp drive technology. Uh, now they show up onto the ship and things immediately start to go haywire. Uh, there's like a big power surge um, and that damages their ship and they can't escape. Uh, so they're stuck on this creepy haunted ship um, that has a bunch of like blood smeared on the walls. And it's clear that things went really badly. Um, things start to get worse and worse as they try to fix the situation to leave. Um, people start seeing demonic visions. Um, the main scientist grows more and more possessed by the ship. Uh, and eventually, um, he starts to go around murdering people. And um, people start seeing different visions and end up getting themselves killed. Um, and it escalates in a big fight where the captain um, ends up disconnecting uh, the engine from the cockpit so that the last remaining survivors can escape. Um, whereas the captain and the scientist guy who is now like fully demon formed um, get warped into hell and who knows what's going to happen to them. And then the last couple of survivors get rescued. Yeah, and the last couple right. survivors yeah. get rescued, um, but they have a great like fake out vision scare. Yes. Uh, so, Crossman, you had seen this before? Yeah, many times. Many times? Many times. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you must like it. Yeah, I like this one a lot. Okay. What do you think about it? I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it was a really fun like popcorn horror film. Okay, cool. I, I wasn't sure what to expect. I knew going in that it had gotten really bad reviews, but that for some reason it had picked up like a cult following. Yes, that was my impression as well. I, I, I guess I'm kind of, I was kind of of two minds on this one because on the one hand, I thought that this movie wasn't really very good. And <laughs> on the other hand, I didn't enjoy watching it, and I wish that I hadn't watched it, and I didn't like this movie at all, and I thought it was real bad. So, okay. <laughs> I really have one mind on this one. I don't understand. I don't understand. What do people like about this? Please, tell me. I didn't get it. I I mean, I I think it's still kind of scary. Oh, really? Okay. I, yeah. I literally laughed out loud. Like, like the moment like when they like have the screen into hell or whatever, and people are vomiting arms out of their mouths or whatever the hell was going on. <laughs> like, it was so absurd to me at that point. I I, I did laugh out loud. I, I, I just like that the film really, it really felt like the film went for it, yeah. I guess. Like, wow. it has a combination of ridiculous and scary. Uh, it has a great, like, way to build up tension and fear throughout the movie. Um, but it's also not afraid to be a little cheesy at times. Um, I just like That's that kind funny. of combination, that tone. Okay. Okay. What, okay. So you've seen it a lot of times. Cross yeah. Mind. Like, what brings you back to this movie? I I think it's like a pretty badass film. Like, it's uh, the sort of space horror. Like, it's aping a lot of other A1. films. 
alien in particular. <laughs> yeah. Um but I like the sort of like gothic design of the movie where it feels very unique, where it feels like we're in like a gothic church. I really space. like the art design of this show. Yeah. Ship. I think that's really one of the things that like really makes the movie for okay. me. Is that has, yeah, you're you're seeing credulous to this. Like, no, I, I'm just I'm floored. I like I because I, <laughs> I I looked at the Rotten Tomatoes score ahead of time with this one. I was at pretty like, negative, like twenty six percent or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> universally uh, reviled. And but then I still look at the audience scores and like this movie had like people do still talk about this movie and I mention it and it is you know known. It's not just something that was forgotten you know thirty years later or whatever it was. So I was like, okay, so this is something where the critics didn't get it right away. And it took the audience to like come back to it and kind of rescue it. And man, none of it. Like, like, like there was stuff at the beginning. Like, there was some tension that they played with that was worked. I think Lawrence Fishburne was good, but like overall, like it is just it wasn't a good movie for me. It, was, it huh. didn't land. Like, save for a, a handful of like decent performances from like good act, like tried and true actors. Mm -hmm. Like that was it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I like I really like the design of this movie. I think it looks really cool okay and i like uh sam neil i like a movie yep. where sam neil goes crazy yeah this and the uh, other the carpenter one uh mount mouth of madness mouth there's of madness. another one where he goes crazy too from like the early 80s okay but, sure. yeah he's like a well well-tread crazy going crazy, actor. crazy guy okay um yeah Lawrence fishburne i think is a great like kind of switcheroo leading man because uh -huh. they, they set you up to kind of think that like uh sam neil is the main yeah. guy um and I kind of like that the movie does that, where you're kind of like on board with like, okay, I like Sam Neill, he's yeah. a nice guy, and then like he he like turns into like this kind of possessed demon, demon man. Yeah, mm -hmm. I I like that turn about that movie. I think most okay. most films like don't go that direction. I, I think yeah. that Sam Neill did as well as anybody could have done with that. Yeah. Um. So that's to his great credit, and and Fishburne too. Like I I like that he kind of has a human response to what's going on here which is let's leave immediately um and yeah. then like circumstances he's the opposite of the usual like horror movie protagonist where, where he's like, actually he actually responds intelligently to what's going on but everything is so beyond his understanding that you know it, it's not working right right and so i think that that works too um so but like if i if i'm picking out positives in that movie like those two performances stand out and like they, that's significant like those two really do make it work. those are a-list actors so yeah yeah um, and the other guy, Isaacs, I forget his first name. Not Jason, Oscar. I think. J Jason Isaacs. He's 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 good, and he's good in a lot of other films. Too. Which one is he? Yeah, he was um, the the trauma guy. They're all trauma guys. <laughs> all the one that was like he was the, like the engineer, the medic. Or, oh, okay, I know what you're talking about. That guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's the one that uh, finds the bomb in yes. the, their spaceship. Got it, and then dies. Yes, yes. We know okay. that was a different guy. Jason Isaacs uh, is the one who gets like disemboweled and like left over the medical. Oh, table. you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah that oh, yeah. was badass too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was dope. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think this movie is like it's not like high cinema. No, but, but it doesn't inspire to me. But I, no. I think it's like a B horror movie. Like this one, like checks all the boxes. Like it comes at you as being scary from like a bunch of different angles, where they like do like disgusting things, and there's yeah. like jump scares, and there's like sort of like real kind of jaws like tension where you're like 
you know, you know something's going to happen, but like, you know. Yeah, you, you don't get know the when, sense or... that things are starting to build up. You don't know yeah. how bad they're going to get and yeah. what's going to, like, how bad it's going to look. Uh, a good example being, like, when Sam kneels in the, like, the crawl duct, which yeah. is a scene that's, like, stolen from Alien. Um, but I, I don't know. I like the way that that scene is because it's, like, mm-hmm. he's lost in this, like, in the belly of, of the ship. Yeah. In what I think is actually a really cool design because it's a bunch of like green circuit boards. Yeah, that works. It's blinking and then like his flashlight goes out, which is like very classic, like horror. They're very good at doing that thing where you're stuck alone in an unfamiliar space. Yes. They do that multiple times in this movie and it's very effective at ratcheting up the fear level. Yeah. And I I like that the ship is like a, again, going back to like the design of the ship, that it's a mixture of like the gothic but also like the futuristic. Uh huh. Um, or like '90s futuristic, which yeah. still involves like CDs, which is like a, <laughs> that was you know, pretty like, charming. Like <laughs> trying to pull a CD out of the yeah. <laughs> Why isn't this working? Yeah. Um. So yeah, like I, I don't think this is a perfect film, but like I really like the like design and the acting, and um, it's clearly Bane had, and I I read the article about this. The the studio kind of took a hatchet to this movie, evidently. Um, and you can see that as as you're watching because there's a sudden there's a number of scenes that just kind of like cut very mm-hmm. strangely and mm-hmm. like the movie kind of like moves on, and I I think those kind of like flaws in the film are like very apparent and hurt the storytelling telling. Yeah, I mean that the, seems like because the, the original cut was like really long, right? It was like, apparently over two hours. Yeah, yeah. which is a lot for yeah. this stuff, like this this yeah. content for two and a half hours or whatever. It, it does seem like horror films rest best in like the hour and a half. Yeah, or at least this style of horror film. We've seen longer form horror in recent yeah. years, like Midsummer was pushing three hours. Like mm-hmm. we've, we've seen that, but um, yeah, this like slasher, like kind of more B level horror movie. Get in there now. Yeah, you know, 90, yeah. 90 minutes That's is fine. a good spot to be. <laughs> yeah, apparently the lost film was like really lost too. Yeah, the uh, reels that the like extra footage were on were stored in a salt mine in like East, <laughs> Eastern Europe. What? <laughs> Why? Yeah, um, That's actually, so random. Um, old old mines are actually good for document storage because they're so dry. Um, oh. particularly salt mines. The U.S. government actually owns like a giant mine in Pennsylvania where they store like a bunch hmm. of records. Like at the end of Indiana and, Jones. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Just with salt everywhere. Yeah. Yes. So salt mines are so dry that they're really good for like document storage. Huh. Uh, well, apparently, this one was not though, and the, <laughs> well, the the film reels that were cut were missing. So there's an, it's not possible to do a director's cut of this one. Wow. Film, okay. Which That's... is probably unnecessary, but. Somebody would buy it. It sounded yeah. like it was all just like more gory action scenes, and yeah. in a way, I was kind of glad that the action scenes cut. Or the gore scenes cut where they did because they were already pretty gory, and I don't know if I wanted any more than that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> agreed. <laughs> I think my and maybe I got hung up on this aspect of the, the film. I kept watching this and thinking like about what Alien was doing better than this movie. It, like it, it, to me, it was it hewed so close to the Alien model and the Alien script, yeah. and especially being made like relatively close in time to when Alien came out. I was like, this just feels like. A, an inferior version of Alien plus like demon stuff. Isn't this like and, 20 yeah, years this is like later? 20 years later. Okay, so maybe not that close. In time, yeah. But, you know. <laughs> Does that make this worse then? It, it, I, I don't know later. if that really <laughs> cuts one way or the other. Okay. But uh, to me, I was just like, th- th- I could be watching Alien and I wasn't. <laughs> and that was disappointing to me. And maybe that's just not fair to the film. Um, but I think that's one of the things that I got hung up on here. Right. Because I, like, I, I remember reading some comment on the internet somewhere. Um, about this movie comparing it to Alien because the comparison is right there. Yeah. And one of the points that this 
internet person make, and I, I agree, is that the cathedral art style of this ship is, it is cool, right? Like it does have a look, but it doesn't make any sense. Right, like it's it's incoherent in terms of like that, that is something that gave design. me a chuckle. I walked in, and I'm like, this is very Geigerian, right? Um, but also, why would they make like a gravity drive look like you know how it looks? Yeah, exactly. It 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 looks like I don't know some like heavy metal album cover, right? Is and compare that to Alien, where you have like this oil rig style ship that is like a conventional working thing that becomes scary. Yeah. Right. And I think that that I, I got hung up on that detail and just the fact of like Alien being just better constructed and better made film um, that I, it was hard for me to kind of maybe take this on its merits. Um, the um, yeah. So the production designer of Alien, they hired for this film and he's the one that designed like the ship. Fascinating. Mm, cause yeah. they, they, Which I think is a smart choice. Obviously. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He made this movie. But same guy. Yeah. I, so I wonder what. And what's his name? Something Anderson, Paul W. Anderson. W. S. Anderson. W. S. Anderson. Yeah. Not Paul Thomas not, Anderson. Not Paul <laughs> Thomas. Anderson. I knew that wasn't it. Yeah, <laughs> be quite the departure for him. Yeah. Um, so I wonder how much of that was at his instruction, because uh, you, you have you know really Scott compared to this guy who also made, went on to make the Resident Evil movies. Mm -hmm. um, so like we're talking about a different caliber of filmmaker here for sure. Um, mm -hmm. And so I wonder how much of that is coming from the director i i think it's an odd choice but like i'm i'm into it like i like okay. this is a weird film yeah and i think if we're always looking for films that like make sense sure. and like have good choices then i i think film would be very bland and and i kind of like how odd this film is yeah yeah and and, that, that's and the... like this i don't think you could make this film today like the studio would not green light it um it would because like this one, this one tanked at the box. It would office. probably show up on Netflix and then get made fun of. And then it, it did really well on home video rental, and that's huh. kind of where the revival of this film yeah. started. Right. And um, I guess like you know, bottom of the barrel screaming is our version of that, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's it, it is almost harder to find that because yeah. the algorithms. Apparently, the studio hated it and just like dumped it. Okay. So they mm -hmm. without like a, a advertising at all, they just like dropped it in theaters, and they were like. You know, Give whatever. Thing. Yeah, just get it off our hands. Wow. Um, and then it was like a huge hit on on a, a video. video rental. Huh. So I mean, it yeah. kind of hit at just the right time then, right? Because this is like when horror has built an audience, right? Like we're we're yep. we're done with all the '80s horror stuff that is that has happened, and like we have introduced horror into space at this point, and home video happens. <laughs> it's right? like so yeah, like, it's like right before the peak of blockbuster. Right. So which, like this this yeah. feels like a very well timed yeah yeah uh, release in that sense. Um, so that's interesting. I didn't realize that. And, yeah. and I, I hear your point, right? Like that there yeah. is space for things that just obviously don't make sense. And like there are movies that do that very well yeah. um, and do that with intent. Um, and so, yeah, maybe it's unfair of me to compare this to Alien, which really is a different movie and in an important way says different No, roles. it's clearly like, yeah. let's just do Alien in the 90s. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. I do think that <laughs> right. there's things the, that this movie does differently from Alien that like that distinguish it sufficiently that sure. it's not just in alien shadow like yeah it's not there's no alien right <laughs> i mean it, it's all very supernatural whereas alien was more grounded right and so you yeah. get a lot more of the like shining style like mind fuck scenes mm -hmm. where people are seeing visions and you're unsure of what's real or not yeah and that like is a really different and really fun like you know 
type of horror yeah. Yeah. from Alien. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I, I like a lot of the scenes where the ship, I guess it's like the ship is like doing it, is like tempting the characters with like things that are that they want, but that are also horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that kind of Twilight Zone style of horror, mm-hmm. especially when like with the Twilight Zone, the Twilight Zone was like never gory. And this one was kind of like the like industrial version of, <laughs> of like Twilight Zone. And, Although yeah. you, you, you mentioned Twilight Zone and The Shining yeah. and like, when I watch those things, like they tend to ha- like The Shining, especially, but certain many, certainly many episodes of The Twilight Zone are this is true for as well. Yeah, um, there's a very clear thematic purpose. Yes, in those, and, and I think that's what makes them work. So, like the the random weird shit that happens in The Shining ceases, uh, not ceases, but becomes elevated because we under we eventually understand the meaning of it, right? So, like we see creepy twins in the hallway and we're like oh that's super weird but then later on we're like oh that it represents xyz we see the 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 blood pouring out of the elevator and it's like oh that is the which is referenced in this movie which is referenced in this movie yeah. to uh, a less profound effect yeah but like we see it in the shining it's like oh that is the blood of the many many people that america has murdered in order to become america that kind of thing this movie felt really more model a lot more muddled in that respect because yep. on the one hand it, like i think it starts out with sam neill having this being like this man of science mm-hmm. and like investing a lot in that and playing God and like that being corrupted. But then like they kind of drop that in favor of this story about like guilt and like what people do with the bad things that they have done and like how they work to rectify that or, or desire to rectify that, but then kind of don't really pursue that to, to any kind of conclusion either. So you end up with like this kind of muddled film um, that I, that seems far more interested in just like, blood pouring out of things yeah. by the end of yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, you could tell that they probably work bottom up where they're like, you know, it would be really creepy if the ship showed you your deepest, darkest memories. Or right. Whatever, instead of like, what are those from, for each character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of working from like an overarching theme down to why it would be showing that to them, it's more like that would just be super creepy, right? And right. It, it does that purpose. Um, I, I agree that it might not like have that higher goal, but right? I think well, that's fine here. Yeah, or, or, or compare it again to Alien, where it, it does have these. The, like that's a movie with dual with dual themes as well, right? Like you have this um, like gendered theme about like the alien being a mother figure and, and uh, standing in contrast to Ripley, and like this the falseness of the robot guy that they find later on, right? Like that that operates, and then running alongside the class themes about like these are working class people that were exposed to this dangerous situation by their employer. Uh, and like those each function individually and in complement to one another, as opposed to this movie where you have these kind of two disparate themes that never reach a conclusion and almost don't quite run contrary to one another, but just run in uncomplimentary ways. And it, it feels like a, a missed opportunity because it, there is something interesting you can do with either one of those themes, and they do have the setup for it here, and they just kind of like don't have an idea. They like don't have mm-hmm. a, a thing to say. So yeah. that was kind of a bummer because you, you you saw a missed opportunity, and you also saw the, the actors that could do it, like Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne. I, I would definitely agree that there's no like strong message of this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, like there's no like moralizing i I think the movie's actually like profoundly cruel to its characters right because that's what horror movies do right that seems to be the only reason for it right yeah Yeah. uh and yeah i would agree (laughs) that seems to be a theme with uh paul w s anderson's filmmaking though right i mean i haven't seen the resident evil films but i get the impression like they're 
big on style and like spectacle. I'm sure I also skipped them. Yeah, (laughs) I've seen a handful of them. I liked the first Resident Evil movie. I don't think it's a good movie though, Mm. but the others are kind of just like nonsense digital effects. Yeah, and just very uh, mess. See, I think that's we, we you have articulated a difference between how you and I watch movies. Where, yeah. where you said I I liked the first Resident Evil movie, but it's not a good movie at all. Like yeah. I would never arrive at that <laughs> that position. <laughs> like for me, if it's a good movie, I like it, and if it's not a good movie, I don't like it. Um, and and that's not a critique of you or how you watch movies. Obviously, just a no, it's I just like I difference. I like trash filmmaking. Yeah, I mean we've and, talked about this before, right? Yeah. It's like the good versus sweet. Like <laughs> yeah hierarchy yeah and this might might be low on the good and high on the sweet and yeah which is not i'm not the target audience for that and that that's fine uh speaking of which uh since you raised it just now um how do we feel about the like modeling and the effects here uh in this movie how did that stuff work for us um i mean i'll admit a lot a lot of the effects are pretty dated because it's a lot of like early cg uh-huh. uh and you can very easily tell when that's happening and um it's not great i mean I, I can tolerate it um but a lot of the times they have like real sets and in those cases it's really effective like the the whole like engine room looks great mm-hmm. yeah uh, just generally the ship sets all look really good yeah like once they get on the event horizon the movie looks a lot better i think like that's where yeah. they put the money i think yeah i, think, I, agree. I believe there, there's a scene where there's like the liquid coolant kind of floating mm-hmm. and that doesn't hold up well cgi but i've also never seen liquid in in space so i don't <laughs> who knows maybe that's exactly what it looks <laughs> yeah like. maybe but i do like when they turn on the gravity and that falls and it's just like real mm-hmm. liquid that just like floods the room yeah i think i thought that was a cool scene um but yeah i think i i liked a lot when they first get on the ship and, and the woman's just kind of walking around the um, the control room and she sees like blood on the corner of the desk yeah. and she's like oh I see a little bit of blood here and then the, like there's like a lightning flash and there's just like blood, blood. Yeah, that, everywhere. Yeah that was really good. Was she like, never notices it yeah. in that scene. The, the, that must be like a missing scene because that's like never acknowledged that like there's like skulls like in the walls of the Yeah, of yeah the like viscera and, all over the place yeah. and it's like it's like very visible. There should be yeah. a reaction to this. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, hey, isn't that weird? Yeah, at least that. Because um, uh, it, it took me a while to put together. Like, did I miss something? Like, did they mention this and I not hear it? No, nah, they, they never get to yeah. like, hey, what about the blood on the walls? <laughs> right. Yeah, but they acknowledge that. that the ship is really creepy, and I think that's you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I, I, so that took me a beat to like put together. Okay, so we're just this is where they are now. <laughs> this is the thing that's happening. Yeah, but when. When they when they're doing like practical effects, so they're like they're very effective, still. Yes, I, I agree. Yeah. Did yeah. they actually build like the like multi ring like contraption? I, I the think drive? they did. Yeah. Because it's really intricate. Like, yeah. I really liked how it looked. Yeah, I like the series of lights, and they use the lights as like a motif for like people being possessed by the by the ship. Um, yeah, and I like that. Yeah, it's very intricate. It's like has like spikes on the outside, and yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I love too that uh, the like meat grinder room that they walk through, which is like totally unnecessary. <laughs> Total nonsense. Right. It's such a great like design detail. That does remind me that this movie seems yeah. to have a lot of subverted expectations. There's lots of things that are set up like Chekhov's guns in a way yes. that like end up not Never happening. Yeah. Like that meat grinder hall. As soon as <laughs> right. they walk through it, you're like, wow, <laughs> someone's gonna get ground up to a paste in this, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so dangerous, and then like nobody does. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, or like, you know, like go, all the things that you could do in a film, that would be the most obvious, right? Yeah, or like you go yeah. into the engine room and there's just big, like, gigantic spikes sticking out of <laughs> yes. the walls for no reason. You're like, someone is going to get impaled in this. Then, Although like, it happens briefly in a flash. Yes, that's true. Okay. Uh, yeah. A vision of hell or something. Yeah. 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 Um, but nobody does. Or like, people keep, it keeps looking like someone's about to die and they don't. Yeah. Um, like the, like the hotshot pilot dude, like, that dude's incredible. Like, he gets blown <laughs> off of the ship. He's flying in space. Right. And he has to fly himself back onto the ship. Oh, Cooper. Yeah. I liked yeah. him. He had, like, a nice, like, comedic tone throughout the film that, like, gave the film, like, a little bit of yeah. emotional depth. That, yeah. well, it felt, yeah. he, he felt very 90s to me. It was yes. like, this is how black comedians talk in the 90s. Yes. From the perspective of this director. <laughs> yeah. Kind of the Will Smith Independence Day character. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that, that seems about right. And... So that every time that guy came on screen, I was like, "Oh, 1991 or whenever this movie came out." <laughs> like, yep, he's remarkably like competent, though. Yes, like yeah. of all the people, he's like. He, I thought he was going to die immediately. Yes. <laughs> so um, also, they like they they like blow that kid out of the airlock, and you're like, "Oh, that kid's dead," and yeah. he's like one well, of the only survivors. Yeah, they save him. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. you're not sure if he's about to bring hell upon everybody because yeah. he's been possessed by the demons. Yeah. That sense of dread too before he gets like blown out of the airlock too is like, oh, like yeah. I, yeah. I thought what we were gonna get because they have yeah. that shot looking into the airlock of him looking out at space, and it's a lot of like the back of his head over and over. And I thought he was gonna turn around. And there'd be something weird. Yeah, like or his, his eyes would be missing. There are lots right. of people with eyes missing. A lot of eyes missing or whatever. And they, yeah. it's not. He did, we see him like get partially blown up or whatever by the pressure difference. But um, yeah, I thought it was going to be like, oh, he has a demon face now. And he did, yeah, he, he did start bleeding out of his eyes, though. That was pretty creepy. Yes, that did happen. And yeah, all his veins like every other yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was actual de- depressurization. Yes, yeah, that what happens when people are depressurized. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah, <laughs> that I, I remember reading great. about this, but I forget the exact details. But like, if you were to be like ejected into space, yes. like you you'd be for sure in trouble, but you don't like immediately explode. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You have like your body like produces heat. Your body has like a heat shield, and space uh-huh. is cold, but it's not like it's not like zero temperature. Okay, so like you could potentially survive like a few. Very seconds, brief. From, seconds. from what I've read. <laughs> okay. But you don't you don't like immediately explode like he does. Like that. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. That would make sense. And really, yeah. like if you did immediately explode, if the guy gets you back into the ship, they're not gonna be able to save you while your veins have ruptured. <laughs> that yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That's like, oh that guy's a goner. Um so yeah, what, what do we think about like speaking of like how the the body horror aspect of this, like how did that stuff work? Because uh, like Sam Neill gets most of it, but not all of it. Um, like how did that land? I thought us? most of it was really effective at being unsettling. The, I mean, the the one body horror thing that wasn't convincing to me was um, Sam Neill's like final form, was, where yes. he just has a bunch of like cuts all over him. Yeah, I thought the makeup for that was a little poorly done. It wasn't very convincing, but the rest of it was like it was pretty up there. It was pretty yeah. creepy. Yeah, there's there's a whole thing behind this, so that like this film, like you would have watched it on like VHS, mm-hmm. yes, or and there there's been like a lot of literature and people talking about this that like the VHS era was meant its fidelity was meant to like hide a lot of these things, oh, yeah. and it would have been scarier. Most famously, H Bomber guy has like a great video, yeah, which I saw on Scanline, which is very good. Interesting, I got to see that. And so like a lot of this, you just like wouldn't see because. 
the TVs were, you know, CRT TVs and the quality VHS was like very poor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and that's an interesting. So, so like the hiding of things. Yeah. It's, very it's an interesting yeah. point because like yeah. you look at projects like Criterion Collection and things like that where it, it treats upgrading the fidelity or upgrading the resolution or whatever of a film as a, a necessary good. It's yeah. like necessarily a positive thing. And for most of the films that Criterion is treating, that's true. Like right? Lawrence like, of Arabia, you want to well, be... Right, yeah. good example, right? Yeah. <laughs> like we want to see that in the crispest, clearest you picture. You see the widest screen possible. Exactly, that's the, yeah. the ideal way to view, to view that. But I, maybe this type of movie or movies of this category are a counterpoint to that. That like maybe higher fidelity doesn't always improve the viewing experience. Yeah. Um, um, and and that that's an interesting idea, and it, and it and it presents an kind of a sticky artistic question to the restorer that like mm -hmm. what what is your actual goal here? Should it be the highest resolution and clearest picture possible, or should it be to look most like how this film would have looked when it was released? Yeah, and mm -hmm. how do you make that decision? Uh, yeah, I think to me that decision's easy with this film, where it's like this is a B movie. Yeah, yeah, and. Like, like it's meant it was meant to be seen like it was most successful at home right, right. we right. know we know that factually mm -hmm. and i bet that's because you know the biggest tv that you would have had at the time would have been 28 inches yeah yeah and the it would have been grainy and it would hide a lot of yeah. those things and it would look fucking really scary because yeah. of that like yeah, that's probably true yeah, yeah. That makes sense. i saw this film right when it came out <laughs> and i i remember really being like how old were you um <laughs> 90, so I, I would have been in middle school when I saw this. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's the right age. And it was, yeah. it I was, probably couldn't handle this in middle school. <laughs> yeah. It was terrifying. It was probably the scariest movie I'd seen, like, period up to that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess middle um, school, you're like, what, 12? 13, yeah. 13, yeah, that may be a little young for this one. Yeah, it, it was. I think at that age, like, even The Matrix was scaring the shit out of me. Yeah, and I mean, there's weird shit in The Matrix. Yeah, yeah. It's rated R for a reason. Yeah, and yeah. this is yeah. just a couple of years before The Matrix. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was terrifying watching it the first time. It was like, this movie, like, really went there in ways that, like, I've yeah. never seen a film do before. Yeah, I mean, because that's what yeah. I was prepared for with this movie. Because I've heard you talk about it, and I've heard yeah. just the the film watching community in general mention it as like this really scary movie right like this one that holds up after many many years and yeah like the imagery in this really does kind of stay with you and like i got none of that like i because I, I i watched this on my 50 inch tv at, a, at whatever the upgrade is that amazon provides to the to the resolution of it and a lot of it looked really silly to me <laughs> and like and I, yeah. I and i watched it for the first time when i'm 31 years old and not you know 12 years old and so I think that that might have been part of my reaction um, as well, because I I was very like prepared for, oh man, this one's gonna get you, and that it didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I was still scared by it. I Were wasn't you? like okay. scarred by it or anything like that, but I still was convincingly scared by yeah? it. Yeah. Okay. It was it was intense enough for me that it was effective. Yeah, and, and it's not to say like every beat in here is is flat for me. Like there are there are there's tension moments especially at the beginning of this movie the movie starts reasonably strong yeah um that do land and i think that do still land um it's the back half <laughs> or so that that really doesn't it reminded me of sunshine in that way um, i i was about to mention that because i yeah. felt like this is kind of like the fixed version of sunshine but i still think they're both trying to be different movies like i yeah. mentioned before i think sunshine would have been better as a space disaster movie uh whereas this one is like what sh what it should have been if they just wanted that like 
horror thing at the yeah. end of Sunshine. Sure. This this was like pitched as haunted house in space. Yeah, which is and, exactly and, what's going on. Yeah, I think it accomplishes that very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's your goal, like this yeah. basically got there. Um, I think that there was, you know, space for more, but um, they achieved what they set out to do. I guess yeah. maybe. <laughs> Uh, but it it was hard for me to watch around like the better examples of this, both before and since, frankly. Uh, so I did feel like it kind of highlights um, why the the twist in Sunshine was so poor. Because like, you know, the reason a lot of this was so effective is because obviously you're building up to it the entire movie, right? You slowly watch Sam Neill slip into madness. Sure. Um, you, you you are afraid of like you know how bad the situation could get because you get glimpses at how horrible it is. Yeah. Whereas in Sunshine, it just comes out of nowhere and you're like, oh, okay, so this is happening. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, even like like we've pointed out a few times, the sets set you up for that as well, right? Like they have all this kind of meaningless religious imagery <laughs> throughout, and it's like, okay, it's because they're traveling in hell, and then fine. Um, so yeah, that does prime you better than than Sunshine did. Yeah, uh, to the to the film's credit, I I like that the film kind of plays with that religious imagery. I think it's very of the time. Oh, too. I, I found it very cheap, but that's just me. Uh, I mean, I think it's very of the time because like '90s, like the Satanic Panic was like a real <laughs> thing in the '90s. Sure, and just to kind of like stick it in the society's face, like I think is actually like kind of transgressive for the time. Okay, like, major like. I see a real influence here from the the Doom video game series, which yes. which does a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, although Doom it, is like embracing its silliness in a much more earnest and conscious way, I think. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, Doom is like meant to be over the top, but like yeah. if if you were, I don't think you can shoot video game movies like they they're just not good. But like this, if this were the Doom movie, this would be like the best you're gonna get. Yeah, like. Yeah. Like it, it's the same story basically from from Doom. It's like slightly different, but yeah. but like this is the version that you're gonna. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember reading up a little bit yeah. in preparation for this episode, and like apparently there's a a headcanon theory that this is the origins for the um, Chaos Space Marines in War in, in, in Warhammer. Warhammer 40k. Yeah. People do. I have yeah. heard people joke that this is like a Warhammer 40k movie because like. <laughs> Which it's is exactly what, what. Also, Warhammer 40k was made before this yes, movie. But exactly. basically, what happens in 40k is that their their like faster than light travel is exactly what is in this movie, except they do it regularly. Yeah. So they just go through hell to 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 travel faster than light, and they just do it. Yeah. They, there's like some special contraption that you need on the ship to like protect you from space demons or whatever. Yeah. And if you don't do it, like you go crazy, and like so these guys like were the first to discover it, and like yeah. so they didn't even know that they needed anything. Yeah. And like that's. How they end up in this position, and like from here, that you spawn a culture that like understands and develops the thing you need to travel through hell in order to travel through space. And it's like, okay, that's cute, like that's funny. I, I get it, but I mean, Warhammer is very silly in, in general, yeah. but um, yeah, I thought that was funny. Yeah, in the 90s, though, it's just like there was a big concern around like re- like the use of like religious iconography to the point where like kids were getting in trouble, like you couldn't like bring magic some like magic the gathering cards to some schools and well like, what was the there was one uh, card um unholy strength that had the pentagram like a flaming yeah. pentagram in the background yeah, it was later removed and that was yeah. removed on yeah. later printings yeah. yeah or um i think columbine happened like the same year this movie came out really and, and yeah i think it was okay. 97 i might be wrong about that but it was like right same era for mm-hmm. sure and uh um, yeah that sounds right and 
Columbine was like it just immediately blamed on video games and like yeah. movies. And so there's like a real like uh, conservative swing in the culture where like if you're any sort of like notion of Satan worship was like really out there mm-hmm. for the 90s. And, and now it feels kind of like quaint. Yeah. Because <laughs> like I, I think we've become like a much less religious society over the last 20 years. Yeah, I mean, we're just following through, Satan uh, on Twitter now, right? Just through, like, <laughs> attrition. Um, but, but, but yeah, I think, like, this would have been, like, really culturally out there at the time. I wonder if that's part of the studio's hesitation yeah. with this movie. I mean, if, I don't want it probably, it almost certainly is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's, no, that's a fair read. Well, they also screen tested the movie, and the screen test audiences fucking hated it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's but, but that was, like, the two and a half, like, over two-hour version of the movie. Yeah, I couldn't handle, like, 220, 230 of this. Like, I would be not happy. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine <laughs> it would have improved the film at all. No. Yeah. yeah. Again, like, these type of movies, what you want, 90 yeah. minutes, in and out. Get it done. That's Halloween. That's Nightmare on Elm Street. That's uh, Friday Thirteenth. Like, yep. That's the that's the formula. It's like once you get through your idea, like, yes, get out. It. Yeah. yeah, do the thing. Cool. Uh, well, uh, any uh, closing thoughts on Event Horizon? I mean, it's a fun time. Okay. Yeah, I think of like the '90s horror films like horror b films i think this is up there as like one of the better ones okay i mean yeah i'm sorry go ahead yeah i i I like this one a lot i really like its production design i i think it has uh a lot of value still and i kind of i don't think movies like this are getting made anymore and i think that's unfortunate yeah i mean mean, this i'm not the target audience for this movie at all yeah um i didn't like it and i don't want to watch it again (laughs) and that's That's probably where i'm going to stay but if you're closer to where you guys are, yeah, this is probably a good example of what it is. Like this is that I, I will happily concede that point. <laughs> All right, sure. Uh, well, we'll be back in a moment. Uh, stay tuned. And we're back, and this week we have a hot take. So Crossman found an article or review of this movie that's contrary to the typical critic response to this movie. And as we described earlier, uh, critics almost universally pan this movie. Uh, so Crossman, you got a hot take on this movie? Yeah, all the hot takes we've had so far are. Uh, Negative takes on films that people have liked. Uh, right. This is a positive take on a film that people didn't like. Okay. Yeah, or, um, or critically. Plug where this was published yeah. and who wrote it. Yeah. So this is written by uh, Jacob Knight. This was written last in summer of last year um, on Birth Movies Death. Um, and uh, this is from, I guess, a recurring column called The Savage Stack. Um, and it's just kind of like a, a reevaluation of Event Horizon. Um, and I think what what's interesting... And what he's doing in this article is comparing it to films that were like purposely ripoffs of other films, which which I think is where this film, in a sense, would fit in the canon. Yes. Um, so he starts uh, when analyzing the greatest entries into the ripoff cinema canon. The most <laughs> tantalizing pieces of schlock were often the ones that didn't just stick to pulling material from one previous success. Um, so I, I like the way he starts here. Cause I think he's just like, this film is just a rip off of other things that have existed right. before it. Right. And, Not making this more than it is. Yeah. It was like, this is like very well tread, uh, territory. Um, but I think what's interesting though, is like where he like puts this in the kind of like pantheon of this type of films. Uh, so he says the Italians were often the best of this form of, of drunken filmic parody. <laughs> 
<laughs> Tossing multiple filmic inf uh, influences into a blender and subsequently turning out lurid treats such as, uh, and I'm going to slaughter these names, but uh, Lucio Fulci's Batshit Fantasy Opus Conquest, uh, Bruno Mattei's Terminator slash Alien Combo Shocking Dark. <laughs> Essentially, when more ingredients were tossed into this dumpster stew, it frequently led to a more satisfyingly tasty result. <laughs> As the viewer is often attempting to figure out how they crammed all these disparate basics into one sub-90 minute motion picture. <laughs> Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson's Event Horizon feels like the 90s studio counterpart to the to those classic clash-in riffs as the uh, Mortal Kombat trash cinema madman and poster child for vulgar artists everywhere tries his hand at Hellraiser in Space, um, indisputably besting the Hellraiser in Space sequel that was released just a uh, year before uh, by Dimension. So in 1996, there was like a terrible Hellraiser uh, sequel that came out sure yeah um on top of the uh blatant clive barker cosplaying whose industrial goth trappings anderson brings to life with the full force of a paramount budget the filmmaker tosses in a solid heap of the haunting solaris alien the shining hp lovecraft and a primo hammer ready villainous freak out from one the one and only sam neill it all strangely amalgamates into a screeching diverting slice of mainstream horror that almost completely fueled by pure spectacle which I think is speaking to like what you were saying about the film earlier that like yeah. it doesn't have a ton to say, but it's like here are all these other like film references that I'm like throwing at you, right? And uh, and, I, and like I, putting it on like a much bigger budget than had ever been mm -hmm. done before. Yeah, and I think that this is like the most positive way to take that. What what yeah. what Knight is talking about here because like the way he sees it uh, or the way that I'm reading what he's saying here, and I think that what you guys might have gotten out of this movie as well is that like this is the the, the greatest hits of a bunch of movies that we like, right? Like, here's a bunch of the the, the best things that have been done before bring, brought together in one place. For me, it just, like, reminds me of the better thing. <laughs> and I just want to be like, oh, I want to watch Alien now. Um, but, like, I, I get the point. Like, I, yeah. I appreciate the... I mean, based on, like, the sort of comedic voice of this article so far, it seems like he's... Cheeky. Yeah, he, yeah, he's taking the movie for what it is, and I feel like a lot of critics don't really do that I yeah guess. They, they evaluate movies according to like the platonic ideal of movies rather than what the movie is really trying to do i think yeah you got to meet the thing where it is yeah and, and so i think that's what this article is doing it's appreciating it as like a cheesy uh popcorn horror flick yeah but, I, I, and that almost like likes makes me like it more though that like mm -hmm. i like this film and like critics didn't like it because then it feels like kind of like counter counterculturally or kind of like revolutionary in that way mm -hmm. especially in the 90s where like film reviewing would have been like a high art highbrow kind of thing mm. now it's like you know the barn entry is much lower for film reviewing now any asshole can start a blog yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um or a podcast and a yes. lot of it's <laughs> like for like the real pros is very much like essentially payola where yeah. like Disney brings you into a theater and like butters you up, and then they're like, "All right, watch the you know Marvel seventy, yeah, yep. and tell us how great it is." And then weirdly, everybody who comes out of that writes a positive review of those films. Yeah, and, although the the way that would happen yeah. in like the seventies, eighties, nineties is that Pauline Kale would find a small movie that she likes, and she would call up all the other local film critics and say, "Look, you guys got to go see, you know, whatever." And, and talk it up and make sure that people watch Bonnie and Clyde or whatever it may be. Yeah. And like that's how that would happen. So it would come from the, the critical side yeah. to promote, to like create a unifying voice behind a, a film as opposed to from the 
the studio side. Mm. Yeah. And weirdly, studios have figured out how to manipulate Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you when I was looking through the other reviews, because like I was like, come on, there's got to be like a, a glowing review. Twenty six percent of them. Like yeah. Um, all like across the board, they're just like, this is a dumb film. Yep. And it's just like, yeah, uh, like it is a dumb film, but there's like there's cool shit like happening in this film. Yeah. And, yeah, and like yeah. maybe being a dumb film doesn't mean it's a bad film. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that that might be the point that. He's arriving at here. Yeah. Um, so he gets into some of the stylization here. So he says, uh, you see, the event horizon doesn't just travel like any normal spacecraft. Through a rotating iron-encrusted core, that sort of looks like a pendant your metal-obsessed cousin would have bought at Hot Topic and worn around their neck at early corn shows. Mm-hmm. The vessel is able to fold the cosmos onto itself, jumping from one point in the galaxy to the next in a fraction of the time as a normal rocket ship. Um, I... I think it's funny, and he, he's like he's being very cheeky here. But I think like of the time that the like that is like a style during the time, like it's like the beginning of yeah. like uh, like industrial and like new metal, which are sort of like drawing like influences that this film is like drawing on. Yeah, well, and it's yeah. it's targeted squarely at you know that twelve to seventeen, eighteen year old bracket, bracket largely male, yeah. and like yeah, that's what was cool at that time yeah. to those people. Yeah, I'm like okay, fine. Yeah. Um, it's during these hunting sequences that Anderson, with the help of actual alien cinematographer Adrian Biddle and production designer Joseph uh, Bennett, who, that's amazing uh, that he did that. So he says that's Event Horizon's true MVP, uh, really brings the celestial spook show to life. For years, critics have hailed Ridley Scott's initial sci-fi masterpiece as being an outer, outer space haunted house movie. But Anderson literalizes this concept once we realize <laughs> that the Event Horizon may have actually visited hell. When opening when opening its time hopping gateway and brought back a suitably demonic presence with it, uh, transmissions of her previous crew clawing their eyes out in an orgiastic fit of violence or stomach turning, while Peters chases a maimed spe- spectral iteration of her possibly dead son around the ship's glowing computer shafts. By the time the shit hits the fan in the final reel, Anderson is leashing a waterfall of blood that would make the Overlook Hotel jealous. Pulling out all the stops while Michael came in and Orbital's electro-classical hybrid score achieves deafening levels of bombast. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, that seems like a fair uh, description of what goes on here. Yeah, because they're just always like, how do we like keep like turning up the like the thing that's been done before, but like do it do know, it too more more excessively. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, he goes on to talk about Sam Neill here uh, in Event Horizon. The Irish Kiwi Thesp, that's a little cute, um, is pulling <laughs> from his pure genre days back when he was hitting histrionic highs with Andrzej Zulawski, whose uh, movie Possession from 1981 still contained Neil's maddest work and John Carpenter's uh, In the Mouth of Madness he's cackled through two years prior. <laughs> Um, as Dr. Wheel, Neil is relishing his descent into disfiguring nuttiness, going from paranoid, wide-eyed skeptic to full-blown Mephistopheles, rising out of vats of burning oil. It's a horror villain performance for the ages, with Neil delivering juicy, hand-boned dialogue like, where we're going, we don't need eyes to see. One imagines uh, Neil's took a single read of Eisner's script before signing up as he strikes the perfect tone, owning an air of sinister class that really elevates the movie's hold. And I, I would agree here. I really like Sam. Yeah, he, and the willing like Neil's like willingness to like buy into the film, I think, is admirable. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he's always been an actor that's 
game, right? Like he's just yeah. he's down for the thing. Yeah, I think that's one of the most impressive parts about the movie is just that they have Sam Neill and, and Lawrence Fishburne at all. Like these are really A list actors, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. And even at the time, they're A list actors. Lawrence Fishburne wasn't Apocalypse Now. He's made like huge, yeah. sophisticated yeah. movies, right? Yeah. Like yeah. And two years later, he's in the Matrix, which yeah. is like yeah. the biggest movie of, of know, that year certainly of that year, yeah. yeah he's good at being captain of these creepy industrial ships yeah right yeah exactly um so he goes on to talk about the flop uh event horizon flopped earning just over uh just over 26 million dollars uh domestic on a budget of 60 million dollars is a huge failure um but gained a cult audience on bhs um uh nastier footage was lost due to poor archiving so all that remains is what ran through the projectors during the film's run um, for, mil- for, for a movie that is heavily compromised, Event Horizon remains the very best entry on Anderson's otherwise questionable filmography. <laughs> Though his Resident Evil series 02 to 2016 will always have its bizarre defenders. Uh, it's a movie that shamelessly wears its influence on its sleeve, barring and flat out stealing moments from better motion picker- pictures and somehow still making them work within the context of its rather garish pulp sci-fi horror construct. There's no real deeper subtext to the film or grandiose designs on being anything other, uh, anything beyond a spook, a blast nightmare from 90s kids uh, looking to have fun with a probably nerdy date. <laughs> it's a shame we've uh, never seen Anderson rise to this level of huckster entertainer again during his career. As for a brief moment in folded time, he was one hell of a modern answer to the shameless, I don't know, the kings of old. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I... Yeah. I like this kind of criticism, right? Like, I I largely disagree. Like, I don't think this movie... I think there's a lot of big problems with this movie that kind of stand as a barrier to me to really accessing it in the way that he has. But that he's that he has taken the movie on its own terms, that he is... A, the, the, the author here is a fan of this type of movie, uh, so yeah. it makes sense for him to be writing about it, because that's who's going to be reading this. Yes. Like, yeah. like that... Absolutely. And that it does place it within uh, a cinematic context that sheds light new ways and and provides insight that might not otherwise be here that's like the the, the function that a critic should serve and that's a, that's a good thing yes yeah. that's positive uh yeah i like kind of read like i i didn't have to rediscover this film because i, <laughs> yeah, I watched it, when, regularly it, discovered when, it. when it came out but <laughs> i like when people find kind of gems like these and yes. are able to like pull them back from the brink of mm-hmm. being forgotten yeah and, and, and yeah, it's it's encouraging right it's just kind of yeah, it's got its place. Suggests there's longevity. Um, all right, well, we are entering our our final week of uh, Horror October coming up, and it is Crossman's pick. So, Crossman, what are we watching? Yeah, so uh, Hellraiser was referenced in that article, and I've, I've never seen Hellraiser. Me neither. And I would love to watch it. So Okay, that's shocking to me that you haven't seen that movie, but yeah. <laughs> it seems like it would be right up your alley. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't seen it either. Charles, have you seen Hellraiser? Nope. No? Okay. As you might expect. Yeah, I, did, I did expect that. <laughs> so it'll be new to everybody. Um, anyway, thank you for listening. Um, if you're liking the show, please uh, follow us on Facebook or iTunes or Google Play or what have you. Um, we're on SoundCloud as well. And um, join us next week for Hellraiser. <laughs>